Monday, Fight Fans. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Find me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And please shoot me a DM if you like. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me on Twitter as well at Dan Urban MMA. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Couchside Judges. We would love if you would subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple, Spotify, or wherever. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a five-star review if you're enjoying what you're hearing from us. And we talk about judging in MMA, so you can find that criteria at abcboxing.com. So Saturday night, Scott, we saw Anderson Silva fight for what appears to be the last time, uh, especially according to Dana White, as he said, he still has a fight left on his contract and it's not going to let him fight another time in the UFC. So he's kind of held hostage. I don't know. You know, I, I don't think it really works that way if I understand the contracts, right? And I, and I mean, it's not like I know Anderson Silva's contract, but my understanding is the UFC still has to offer Anderson a fight every six months to continue the contract. And if he declines it, then then he can still keep going. But as long as he's offered the, the contracted fight, then he would stay under contract. So I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in this, but that was always my understanding. So I would have to think at some point they're either just going to buy him out of that last fight or just outright release him or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't seem right to hold the guy hostage. That's not fair. If get if he wants to keep fighting, you know, if he wants to become the Bellator middleweight champion, let him go chase that dream. Yeah, go do it. It's just so weird. <laughs> it's look, I'm not saying I want him to fight in the UFC again. I'm not saying that it would be the worst thing, depending on if you matched him up. Right. How about we just don't put him in there with Uriah Hall who can knock his head off anymore. You know? There's there's fights where Anderson Silva can still be fun, but I mean he's 45. I'm not really in favor of watching him that much more often. So. I'd do a third fight with Weidman. I think they match up perfect right now. Yeah, that's right. They both got you know soft chins. <laughs> Someone's eventually gonna go down. <laughs> no, I, I mean it is what it is. You know, I think this was a good way for him to go out if he was gonna get knocked out. At least it, he he kind of had that beautiful moan in the cage with Uriah Hall. Uh, so my hope is that he also doesn't pursue. Uh, fights anymore even if he's able to get out of this contract situation whatever the heck that is uh but it is what it is the guy's gonna do what he's gonna do i don't mind seeing him fight again i just hope it's not bare knuckle i think that's a bit i don't think he would do that i really don't kind of think it's beneath him i do too i hope it's beneath him <laughs> so <laughs> oh well but anyway uriah hall got the knockout victory round four it's a good win for him obviously it's a feather in the cap uh he's he's never really gotten past that you know will he become a contender stage and this doesn't really do that for him anyway he's still pretty far off from any sort of israel adesanya fight or anything like that so not that israel adesanya is going to be fighting at middleweight anytime soon right but would you would you match up hall versus Derek brunson i think that's a good matchup for his next fight yeah sure why not i i almost feel like brunson probably deserves somebody who's ahead of him in the rankings because he's fought a bunch of guys behind him lately okay so i would i would say give him somebody higher up than that just from Brunson's standpoint but if they're not going to do that sure I mean it's a fine fight all right but now speaking of which we we all know is Israel Adesanya is fighting Jan Blachowicz next for the 205 pound title which leaves 185 division uh kind of on hold at the moment yeah I Dana Dana announced that yesterday on Saturday and I just I didn't really like that um not I mean, there's a few things actually that I don't like about it one I don't think Jan Blachowicz deserves to have to defend his belt against basically a no-win situation other than he still gets to be champion. If he beats Adesanya, then where does that leave him? He beat the middleweight champion. He didn't beat another 205-er. You know, it it, it kind of just spins the wheels at 205 pounds for a little while. And I don't know that Adesanya has really cleaned out this division yet either. I'm not saying that 
beating Robert Whitaker next would do that. But look, if he wins the 205 pound belt, is he going to defend both belts? I feel like he would just leave middleweight behind. And there's fights there I still want to see. I think he has to keep defending both if he wins. But here's what I think the plan is. I think 185 would be on hold for probably a year or so if he wins. Because I think the plan is if they fight early 2021 and he wins the 205 title, I think 100% the two coaches for this new tough season would be Izzy and John Jones. And they would fight probably in the summer. And I think that's what the UFC really wants to try to get more people back into tough. Because those those would be two uh, high profile coaches. Wouldn't work for me. Tough sucks. <laughs> I, I love tough, whatever. You know. I know you do, but no. I hate it, man. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a reality TV junkie. What what can I say? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm I've never been into reality TV. When I was watching the tough seasons, it was always I was always much more interested in the, the tournament brackets. Uh, and then it got much less interesting when it was kind of just a bunch of guys. As the season's gone on, you know, you, you got fewer and fewer guys who were definitely like UFC caliber to jump in. You know, the early seasons, you got more of that. And then, you know, you, you get a guy here or there who who was like a really exciting prospect. Tony Ferguson, some, someone that really comes to mind from some of the seasons I watched later that obviously turned out to be a really excellent uh, prospect. Now, you know, one of the best lightweights we've really seen. Uh, but yeah, nothing's going to get me into this season of tough. I don't care. Yeah, to be honest, I, I would be all for it, even if they never showed the fights and they just showed the house and the training. I'd be totally into it. Yeah, you and I are very similar people, but we're also very different people, my friend. <laughs> but that's what I think the plan is. If Jan wins, obviously you said, yeah, it's, it's really a, a no-win situation for him. He's supposed to win. The heavier guy is always coming out as the guy who has nothing to really win from it when they do these yeah, super fights. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's a so, stupid situation for him. But you know what? Credit to him. You know, he feels confident in his abilities, you know, and, and well, he should, but... Gosh, this isn't going to be an easy fight. I don't, you know, I don't really want to think about who I would pick in that fight right now. I mean, you know, the gut, the gut says probably Adesanya just because he is the the better, uh, more talented technical striker. But I mean, he can be hit. So you know, if Blahovich catches him, he could be gone. You know, yeah. so we'll we'll leave that for another day. Um, I just I don't really love the matchup. I I wish I wish they would wait just a little longer and let let two hundred five settle a little bit. Let's find out what we have here. Yeah, two hundred five. It's starting to pick up too. So and they, there's there's contenders showing their showing their faces. So, yeah. but let, they're going to do what they're. Gonna, I mean, Izzy's the star. I get it. I get it. They want to turn into him. If they put a second belt around him, it certainly turns him into a bigger star because that's what they've done in the last few years. But I don't know. I just I hope don't we don't it. see another interim title. I mean, those are played out. Please, no more interim titles. My goodness, <laughs> just no more. But uh, let's get back to Saturday's main event. We had a couple uh, contested rounds throughout the event. We did. Not that many, but uh, we did have one in yeah, the main event. Yeah, we finished this, so yeah. we really didn't get too many. <laughs> we did have one in the main event, which was round two. Yeah, obviously this one didn't go the distance, uh, but through three rounds, uh, it was split 29-28s for Hall and Silva. Round two being the, the one that was uh, split there, like you mentioned. And two out of three actually gave this one to Hall. That was Sal D'Amato and Derek Cleary, whereas Junichiro Camillo gave it to Silva. I gave it to Silva. Did you? I ended up giving it to Silva. I rewatched it uh, today. When mm-hmm. I watched it live, I really wasn't, to be honest, I was trying to order food at the time. And it was, <laughs> it was taking longer than I thought. So, And every time well, I what'd looked- What did you order? I ended up ordering some kind of rice bowl with, with chicken and, and some kind of salad with it. But- Whatever. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't exciting, but every time Neither I looked was up this round, to be honest, 
Yeah, I, I I did notice that. But every time I looked up at the screen, it seemed like Hall was the one throwing. So I was like, oh, yeah. I guess he wins this round. But both guys could have used a, a little bit more activity for their case. But at, after I watched it again today, I went with Silva. Yeah, 10-9. first glance, I thought it was Silva. It was it was very close because of the low output. I didn't. There was not one single strike that really stood out for me from either man in this one. It was, it was just a lot of tepid here and there stuff. But it, it did feel like Silva uh, when I watched it the first time. And I, I did only watch it once. Uh, I thought he had just a little bit better volume. Yeah, he did, but not much more. Uh, he no. was landing to the body and the legs. There's a majority of his shots. Sure. And uh, yeah, that, that was to be it, a bit better. I could yeah. understand why this would be split. It's there. You know, you get these low output rounds and it wasn't extremely low output, but it was low. They, yeah, they, it could have benefited both guys if they just pushed a bit more, tried to make it a bit and I, clearer. And case I thought for each they other. were starting to find a groove at the end of round one, too. So that's why the round two development was just so disappointing because it was still this this kind of tepid, not not feeling yeah. out stage anymore, but it was, I don't know. I, yeah. I would have liked to have seen more. I mean, two very elite strikers. So you can see it on both both sides. That, you know, no one wants to get caught being lazy. No, I get it. I get it. But again, I just thought Silva had he found a groove in round one because he won that round on mm-hmm. all the cards. Yep. And then Hall ended up winning the third on all the cards because he, he uh, another low output yeah. round until the very end when when uh, when he kind of caught Silva pretty bad. And then obviously finished the job in the fourth round. Yeah, he probably would have finished uh, in the third if he had more time. He might have. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't matter. He, what, another minute or yeah, so? Got, I think it was a minute 16 in into the, the fourth yep. round was with the finish. Yep. Yeah, uh, of course. Didn't end up mattering. It was it was a kind of it was you know a split round even before that, but it wasn't that big a deal. And Hall took it out of the judges' hands regardless. Yeah. Uh, but there was a fight on earlier in the main card. I think it was the main card opener, right? Tiago Moises got the unanimous decision over Bobby Green, but this was a very close fight, and we had two rounds that were split among the judges, right? Yeah, rounds one and round two. How did you see round one? Let's start there. Round one, I scored it for Moises. Okay. Along with uh, Sal D'Amato and Derek Cleary. I also did. Why did you go that way? I went that way because Moises landed stronger strikes. They were more impactful. Yeah, I thought so too. Green definitely had the volume. I mean, there's really no arguing that. He but... did. He did. And, and I imagine that's probably what uh, Dave Hagen decided was the factor that gave him that way. I'm, you know, who's to say? But you can understand why the case could be made. Yeah, I just thought Moises landed better and more impactfully. I did too. Uh, round two, though... They were actually the opposite. So in this round, it was Dave Hagen who saw it for Moises, whereas D'Amato and Cleary went for green. So everyone had it 19-19, but they had uh, different cards. What about you? I scored it for Moises round two, 10-9. Okay, so you thought this was clear Moises so far the whole way. Uh, well, I, I, this round wasn't very clear. This no, is, no, this okay, is a toss-up sure. round. I should, but I should, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I had after, round, after two rounds, this was a Moises fight and green needed to finish. Okay, okay. Um, now, what, but what was it that tipped you for Moises? Was it the ground stuff? I thought the leg locks had Green in a ton of danger. Like, when, when he went belly down, I said, wow, there's no way he's getting out of this. This is super deep. And, well, he ended up getting out, obviously. And then... Yeah, and, of course. But, and, you know, credit to Green. He had great striking throughout this round. But towards the end, once Moises, I guess, got some blood flow back in his arm from squeezing, he started landing some bigger shots. And I said, right, that's going to push it over for me. I understand the argument. I did go for green, just like D'Amato and Cleary. So for me, you know, again, I don't want to discount the leg lock exchange. Well, not exchange, but the two leg locks that uh, we saw Moises trying to lock on. And of course, green did have to defend them. But 
it did seem to me that once it got to the feet, that Green was able to do some real work up there. And I, I thought he took the round back. He he was, I mean, definitely have an argument for it. I just didn't think the striking was on the same level as the grappling in terms of effectiveness. Yeah. And I thought Moises landing enough decent shots of his own helped me see it more clearly from Moises. Okay. Well, I mean, that's fair. It's a viable argument. Yeah, that's, I guess the way it works out is because a lot of people were seeing 29-28 for Bobby Green afterward. And I mean, I see the argument. I ended up going 29-28 for Moises. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's a perfectly viable score. I think 29-28 mm-hmm. for Green's a viable score. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with any score here, really, unless you went 30-27 Green. That would be a hard one. I, I don't see an argument for Green in the third round. But fortunately... None of the judges were trying to make that argument. So I think I think everything was just fine from the judges. Ace is there uh, as close a fight as it was. And the fact that they didn't agree, that's okay. Close fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on to the co-main event, Bryce Mitchell defeating Andre Feely. Unanimous decision. Yeah, no question about who won. Bryce Mitchell definitely won the fight. But round two was a split. There, There was kind of some question among the judges about whether Feely was able to take that one or not. Uh, Chris Lee saw it his way. But D'Amato and Hagen, they both saw it for Mitchell. What about you? Uh, last night, I saw it for Feely. And okay. today, I saw it for Mitchell. Why? Why'd you change? I changed because I thought Feely had a clear advantage on the feet before it hit the ground. And today, I don't feel that way. I feel Mitchell landed okay. decent strikes before he took it to the ground and he got into the mount. He didn't really do much when he was on the ground, but I thought he did enough while he was there. Then they get back on the feet and Feely kind of did a little better then. But I'm scoring it based on the Von Flew choke. Yeah, I think you have to credit that. I thought that was very tight. You saw Feely start to like, no, I don't want to say panic, but he started to you know get a bit urgent to get out of there. Yeah, there there was a there was a sense of urgency. I think that's a fair way to characterize it. Is he knew he was in a situation that he had to extricate himself from, and and he did, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's certainly an effective attack. Yeah, and so so today I saw you know Bryce was landing the. Big lefts, it seemed. And every shot, even though he wasn't winning in volume, he was definitely winning on impact in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I Now, the problem him. was I found it very hard to see Bryce Mitchell during the fight because he wore the camo <laughs> shorts and it was just he blended in so well. Couldn't see him. You couldn't see him. <laughs> it, it was like a torso and, and then some legs. But in the middle, where, where did he go? <laughs> the camo shorts thing. Like, God bless him. He's happy that he got his camo shorts but i mean i'm watching the the pre-fight segments where they're talking about oh man i just really want all these camo shorts they were building up like this guy was fighting for a hospital or something like that in his town dude it's a pair of shorts hey chill camo's a way of life for bryce mitchell (laughs) all right (laughs) (laughs) if ever there was a person who camo shorts described just on its own it probably was bryce mitchell yeah Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> we that was all for the contested rounds, but we did have a 10-8 watch round to discuss, right? It was the first round of Jason Witt's dominant victory over Cole Williams. He got the second round sub by arm triangle, right? But in round one, there was some disagreement among the judges about a 10-8 here. Uh, Lee and Cleary saw this one as a 10-8 for Witt, but Hagen only gave it a 10-9. What about you? Uh... I went with 10-9 last night. The more I thought about it, I said, you know, this is probably a 10-8. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I wasn't really certain. I knew he checked damage. I mean, there was no doubt about it. He had a 
check damage to a great degree. Yep. I wasn't so sure about the domination aspect because Williams was throwing from the bottom and landing some shots. So I wasn't too really sure on there. And I, I didn't think the duration really came into play. You know, I'll tell you this. He spent a lot of time down there on the bottom just eating a lot of shots. And I know he mm-hmm. was throwing back a little bit, but there was, I mean, we ha- we're talking about diminishing blows. Mm-hmm. Certainly came into play with that giant cut that was open. Right. Yeah, that was a huge cut. I mean, something like that. That's a diminishing blow for sure. Right. I didn't know if that if that went into the domination aspect. I I knew that was damage, obviously. I think I think you have to count that for sure. And and I don't know what the uh the strike totals were in that round, but it's certainly watching it, it felt very lopsided. Well, I mean, you can't ever trust what, what they put on the screen. But I No, don't... no, no. And I, I never look at like I act, you can see it, but yeah. it's like, okay, it's like, we'll see what it, they adjusted to later because right. it always gets adjusted. Right. When we started round two, the screen graphic was 44 to four. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I mean, don't who know knows how accurate that is. Now, actually, the, the total strikes was 36 to 22 in Witt's favor, but what they consider to be significant strikes, which means absolutely nothing to a judge, it was 12 to nothing in favor of Wit. I think that basically, if I if I were to interpret that, they mean that those little strikes that were being thrown from the bottom by Williams okay. are considered yeah. not significant strikes, which I guess I get. Um, but yeah, like th- those strike numbers, they don't really mean anything. No, and, and then, you know, but it's just felt very lopsided to me as far as the amount of damage being put out there, the 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 effectiveness of the striking, which is what the judges do care about. And that felt that felt 10 eight to me. The, the whole thing it felt 10 eight. I think, I think there you could check off the the boxes there. Okay. But I do understand why Hagen might not have gone there. And that forty four to four must be a different fight that I was looking at. That could be. I mean, who knows? They honestly they adjust these strike numbers all the time. Like you, you they show you something on the screen, and then they have a different number later on when they put it up on UFCStats.com. And that's that's kind of why you know sometimes I hear people say, oh. We need to give the judges the strike totals to, so that they can know. You're not going to get accurate strike totals if they're working yeah. off of that. Especially not live. Oh, exactly. Like if if you're giving that to them live and say, here, here's what happened in the round strike total wise. Hopefully that helps you. It can totally lie. And that's not because anyone's trying to influence the judges to do something they wouldn't do. But it's just it's not ready yet. It's not right. It's not accurate. You know, as much as UFC stats does a good, good job. And I'm, I've worked with. uh the people over there before but it's not it's not something to go by it just isn't this is not how you can grade a fight you grade a fight with your eyes if you want you know a computer to grade the fight then switch to that but we have humans sitting in the chairs watching looking at all the information taking it all in and we got to trust it so yeah you know to kind of get back to the point though i did think that this was certainly a good argument for a 10-8 here but but i do see why hagan might not have gone to it yeah i, I i'm with you but that was it. You know, we didn't have too much really to to go on here. We had a lot of fights that ended early, like we mentioned. But we did have a couple fights that, you know, the, the judges were all unanimous on. Round one of Greg Hardy's TKO in the second round over Maurice Green. Everyone had 10-9 Hardy. It's time to stop babying that guy. Give him some uh, better competition. Yeah, Greg Hardy uh, is, is not my favorite yeah. uh, person. Sean Strickland. Getting a 30-27 over Jack Marshman on all three cards. No questions there. And he won the trash talking. He did. He did. That was that was interesting. This is, <laughs> this is why I like having no fans there. I don't need fans at fights anymore. <laughs> I, I'll sit and watch at home happily without hearing, woo! <laughs> ole, 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 ole. 
I mean, sometimes it's fun, but anytime it's in America, it kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love this country, but we've got we've got terrible MMA fans that are going to these fights. <laughs> Uh, and then the other one that the judges uh, nailed was the first two rounds of Miles Johns uh, before he got his third round KO of Kevin Natividad. Both of the rounds went to Johns 10-9 each. Uh, so they nailed those. Again, not a whole lot that they really needed to do in this one. Eight finishes, right? Yeah. And the one you just mentioned, Miles John, that was a video game finish. It was. <laughs> was that your favorite finish? That was not my favorite finish. What was? Jason Witt's arm triangle over Cole okay. Williams. I thought beautiful because technique. it's a sub and you had to you had to pick it right. Not because it was a sub, because it was beautiful. <laughs> it was, and he mentioned that the blood helped the choke get in tighter. So I mean, he beat him up for a while and then he choked him. I, I think that's the way you should sub someone. <laughs> beat him up and then choke him if that, you're not going to get no. Definitely Clotta. the most brutal way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your favorite? You know, as much as John's, obviously that was an awesome KO. I actually picked. Alexander Hernandez getting the knockout of Chris Greutzmacher. Didn't seem like Greutzmacher was... His hands just look so fierce is what it was. What's that? He didn't seem like he was ever in the fight. Who, Greutzmacher? Greutzmacher. Yeah, he was just eating shot after shot. I was like, this guy's going to get knocked out. There's a skill discrepancy here, and and obviously Greutzmacher hadn't fought in a while, but I do think Alexander Hernandez, you know, obviously he he had lost a couple uh, of tough ones that, you know, he, like they mentioned on the broadcast, he kind of had to take because he'd won two really big fights or a couple really big fights, excuse me, in, uh, in the early part of his UFC career over Benil Dariush and, and uh, Olivier Alban Marcier. And those were fights that, yeah, I mean, they necessitated a, a better opponent. He wasn't ready for that. He, like they said, he, he made a, a camp switch. It does seem to have worked out wonders for him. He's a young kid. I think he's still got a ton of talent. It's just <laughs> probably humbled him those a bit. hands moving. And, and man, the, Greutzmacher was that was a mismatch. That was yeah, a bad he was. Matchup. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that was. It almost felt like it was just like a here, Hernandez. We actually kind of like you. Let's here's a get right fight. Yeah, showcase, show us what you got. It definitely was. And that's gonna do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again on Friday to discuss the next UFC Apex event, which will feature Tiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira in a fight. Uh, that hopefully no one gets COVID for and we actually get to see should determine probably the next contender at 205. Wear a mask. See you on Friday. Take care, everybody. <laughs>